and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. folks welcome to another episode from the sales chat show saleschatshow.com i was stumbling over my words there top of the episode that's not boding well is it but luckily for me i am joined by my more articulate colleagues mr graham jones and mr phil jesson who can fill in amongst all of my blatherings if my um my mouth's clearly not working properly as we're recording this this afternoon you mean rescuing you i think as, as always, as always, I rely on my buddies to to rescue the show. Uh, saleschatshow.com, 200 plus, headed towards 250 episodes now, or for your listening pleasure and entertainment, folks, saleschatshow.com has all the details and we are available from all the major podcast platforms. Now, this episode is called Why Selling a Customer What They Want is the Worst Thing you can do so i thought i would kick this off what do i mean by that well surely if you find out what your customers want and you provide it to them are they going to buy it surely surely that is a good thing to do but i was inspired by because i was on a call this morning doing some follow-up coaching work with some uh very uh, senior and experienced account managers in one of my uh, it clients and one of the uh, the people who who joined the call was talking about the need that he had to um he was kind of a specialist sales person sort of a subject matter expert and he was saying that he he had to get some of his colleagues who were introducing him into customers to just slow down a little bit because they had to do he had to do the diagnosis in order to provide the client the right solution. So he was approaching it from a solution selling point of view, really finding out what is the customer's situation and what do the customers need so that the right solution can be constructed and, and provided. And that got me thinking about this concept of the difference between wants and needs. And some of the old, maybe old classic customer service kind of philosophies, such as the, the customer is always right, etc. But but I think modern sales, very definitely solution selling, if you whatever you however you want to think about that or call or call that, is around really helping the customer to understand what is the best choice for them. Now, customers may not have as good a market knowledge as you they might not be as as aware as you are you know i make the point a lot when i'm working with account managers or salespeople in certain industries you know where they do give customers lots of advice is the customer is 99.9 percent of the time head down doing their job they don't have time often to to understand the broader situation they don't necessarily know what the new trends are so this is i think how salespeople can become better at being that trusted advisor slightly overused phrase these days i guess but really helping to do proper diagnosis really understand the customer's situation so you can sell the customer what they need not necessarily what they want, because if the customer is adamant they want X and you sell them X 
and that is not correct, you are going to be at fault at the end of the day and your relationship's not going to be not going to be so good. So so gentlemen, I'll be interested in your in your in your thoughts. So because this is going to take longer, right? But and how would we deal with a customer who is adamant about what they want? Do we just provide that to them and take the risk that they're correct? Or do we maybe lose the sale, the risk of losing the sale if we slow down and really make sure the customer is getting the best, the best kind of solution that it will be the greatest benefit to them? I'd be interested in your, your thoughts and observations, chaps. The um, interesting thing is that it's about psychology, like all these things. Everything I, comes to I psychology. Thought you, I thought you might say yeah. that. As our resident internet psychologist. And um, the psychology of a successful sale is whether or not the customer is satisfied with their purchase. Yeah. So they feel that they've been cared for by the person selling to them, by the product that they've bought, that they feel everything is caring for them. So if we sell them what they want, we're demonstrating complete care for their desires. And so actually at the point of sale, they feel really positive about us. The problem that I think you're alluding to is subsequent to the sale, a bit later on, do they feel that the product they've bought cares for them in that situation? Mm. So, you know, they've bought a product. Um, you've told them they've decided that that's what they want, that that's going to serve their requirements. And so at the time of sale, because they're buying what they want, they feel really positive about your company and about you as a salesperson. But six months down the line, it's not achieving what they thought it was going to achieve for them. And therefore, they feel negative about you. So now they don't feel cared for. So they then are less likely to buy from you in the future. So the situation is, how do we keep them cared for and feeling as though we are looking after them in between those two points in the calendar, as it were. And depending on the product, those two points in the calendar might be, you know, days apart or months apart. Yeah, it depends on the nature of what you're you're selling, right? But it's, it's avoiding buyer's remorse, I suppose, yeah. is the other, because that mistake will be attributed in part to the salesperson who was responsible for allowing the customer to make the error, I suppose, is a way of is a way of thinking about it. But yes, yeah, so there is the the immediate wants now versus the longer term benefit that would be brought to the customer. So if you want repeat business, the medium to longer term is even more important than if you're you know you want to be just getting your immediate revenue, which is a short term strategy, which is probably going to cause you problems over time right because you're gonna you're not gonna you'll be able to get those customers as referrals is the other thing happy customer is going to be a great source of ongoing referrals unhappy customer forget it you might have hit the revenue for the quarter but you've not laid the foundations for the future success so i yeah. think one of the best sales models that i came across years ago and i cannot for the life of me remember who originated it but it refers to six p's no not those six p's uh, another six P's, and it talks about preparation and doing our homework, of course. It then talks about when you're face-to-face -face with the prospect or the customer, you need to understand the second P, 
which is their current position. The third P is when they might talk about their problems and as they see it, what they want out of the meeting. But I think the fourth P is probably the most important to mention here. And the fourth P is the word possibilities, where before as a salesperson, we commit to a solution of any sort. We actually talk to the prospect or the customer about what the possibilities are. And one of the possibilities, of course, is what the customer wants. Another possibility may well be plan B and plan C, which include more information on what the customer might actually need. And by having a discussion around, well, we could do this, but my advice is that we do that. Uh, maybe then you move to the next P, which is uh, the proposal. That's the firm proposal as a result of what we've been talking about. And the last P, uh, not surprisingly, is that we talk about the payback and the benefits of going ahead with that solution, either in financial terms or any other criteria that we know are going to light up the customer. So just to summarize that little model, preparation, position, problem. Next one is the most important one as far as what we're talking about now, and that's possibilities before you firm up the proposal and before you finish at the end by talking about the payback and the benefits of going ahead with that proposal. Yeah, that, that possibilities is an interesting interesting thing to consider, I think, is, is yes, you could do this, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. You know, because sometimes customers, particularly today, modern, you know, modern approach of customers is they'll go and conduct online research first. So they will have started to predetermine the sort of solution or the sort of outcome that they that yeah. they want. And that could very well be they could have done a lot of work. And you might say, yeah, that is a possibility. But before <laughs> we proceed any further, yeah. I'd really like to understand your situation in detail so that I can see if we've got other other things that you should consider as yeah. part of your buying process to make sure you get something that will be <clears throat> truly and maximally beneficial to you, Mr. or Mrs. In, interestingly, I've been, I've been on the receiving end of that model, and I, and I don't think my landscape gardener had any knowledge of that model, but I wanted to do some work in my back garden. It involved taking some sleepers out that were basically a retaining wall and moving soil back and all of that good stuff. Uh, thank goodness uh, we didn't go ahead with what I wanted. Uh, mm. Thank goodness the landscape gardener said, well, we could do that, uh, but I have got some concerns about it from a quality point of view, and I have got some concerns about it from a safety point of view. So let me just talk you through a couple of other options which are slightly more expensive but I need you to hear them because that's the sort of person I am and that's the type of work uh, I'm famous for. And full marks to the guy for not going ahead with what I wanted and over a cup of tea in my back garden, uh, later confirmed on an email with a couple of fancy diagrams, uh, he was able to sell me what was needed as opposed to uh, what I actually wanted. 
Sounds vaguely reminiscent to the book we were discussing before we came on air earlier. We just mentioned the Challenger sale, didn't we, in passing, and that, yeah. that fantastic research that was done. And that, your landscape gardener's approach, sounds, I don't mean to do disservice to all the great work in the Challenger sale and the research, but it's it's got that feel about it, hasn't it, of, yeah. of kind of of offering you some different, educating you, giving you some things yeah. to consider. Um, because I think sometimes people, they've read the front cover challenge yeah. and I don't think they need to read the rest of the book about, about how that is done and, and the way that it's done. Mr. Jojo, you're, you're smiling. So. I think they re- read the cover and think, aha, this means I've got to argue with the customer. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> please, for goodness sake, please read the book before yeah. you before that's, you, yeah. uh, before you uh, that's jump to That's not what the book is movie. saying. No, it's some fantastic stuff in the, in the I, challenge. Itself. I think my landscape gardener was clever in the sense that uh, he wasn't challenging uh, me with his opinion versus mine as such. The inclusion of words like quality and safety on his part almost distanced him from the comments that he was making because it wasn't just his flavour of the month opinion and the type of work he liked to do. He was genuinely concerned about the quality of what I was asking him to do and the safety thereafter if he was to do it. And I thought that was a very clever, natural uh, move on his part. I think also the, the thing is a piece of research that that um, I saw again, I've seen it seen it previously last week, was around that the, the sales experience is a major contributor to customers' sort of satisfaction and customer loyalty. So how you sell is as important as what you sell if you're thinking about the relationship with the customer. So if you've been if you've been taken through a very good sales process, through that good discovery, diagnostics, et cetera, you, I suppose you feel really well sold, sold with, actually. Not I was going to say sold to, you're sold with, and you've been helped to make a good buying decision. That's a very different different experience so almost if you just just accept what the customer says without doing that you we're letting them down aren't we on the sales experience and and i think their experience in the selling process is telling them a whole lot about what you're going to be like to deal with in the delivery stage when you're delivering on what you've said so if it's been very professional and thorough that's the way i'm going to think working with you going forwards is is going to be um and i think you have more you have more credibility yeah this um want versus need um and where the salesperson has to think about that in terms of you know that consultative approach that you're talking about um is thrown into light by a want that we have in our house um, and the want we have is uh, a roller blind on the window and the landing, which seems quite straightforward, except the window is not on the landing. The window faces the landing and is about 10 feet above the staircase. So the staircase goes up below the window. You cannot reach the window. It's impossible to reach the window. We've just had the hall decorated and we want a roller blind put up there um, because it looks dreadful with nothing up there, no curtains, no nothing. There is no way of getting up there other than a massive ladder 
and the people we've had look at it won't go up a ladder because they say it's too dangerous to carry power tools and everything up there is so high up you've got to have scaffolding built and all the rest of it and mrs jones refuses to go up the ladder she refuses to go up the ladder your best encouragement i've said i'll sit on the bottom and hold it but she won't do that but so what we want is a roller blind fitted with a long cord so that we can put that you know on the staircase and we can do it so i approached a roller blind company and uh, they said can't be done what you want uh, is not not possible so we approached another roller blind company who said it must be possible send us a picture and we sent them a picture and they went no it's not possible <laughs> we went round around the houses we've had people come to the house to investigate and look and go which idiot architect put a window there? I mean, the ridiculous thing is it's an opening window. You know, you can open the window. You can't reach the window to open it. So it's... Well, that, that, will, that will teach you for living in a church, Graham. <laughs> yeah. so, you, so what we need, it transpires, is an electric roller blind yeah. so that we can do it by remote control which is fine, apart from there is no electricity supply anywhere near it. So in order to have a £50 roller blind, we've got to spend about £500 on having electricity supply put to where it needs to be in order to make the roller blind work, which is what we need, but it's not what we want. Yeah. So we're not prepared to have what we need because of the additional cost and the hassle of having to have all that installed having just had the place redecorated we don't want to have to redecorate again just to put electricity in because the builders 25 years ago when they built the house did something completely stupid uh, with the design so, so if you email graham at saleschatshow.com if you are an electric contract electrical contractor uh, this may be a lead for you i don't i don't i don't know <laughs> so the never answer mind, is but the answer I'm, I'm i'm interested in pitching for it don't go okay. don't, don't go and tell everybody else simon <laughs> but the answer is that we've gone back to the company who first told us it couldn't be done Okay. And that what we needed was an electric blind because they were the first people to suggest it. And actually, they were really helpful. And they, uh, you know, said we'd never seen a window like this before. Uh, it's really awkward. Uh, we can understand the problem. We can see what you're trying to do. They were really positive and helpful. But what they're going to do is produce a roller blind that we can have that will be permanently closed but is actually see-through, translucent. So it will look like there's something in the window, so it won't look an unfinished window, but they will produce material so that we can see the outside world. So they um, have come up for, with a solution. They've come up with a solution. Okay. okay. So the reason we've gone back to them is because they were really helpful in trying to give us what we wanted. Yeah. And actually, Even though they knew we couldn't have what we wanted. And technically speaking, at that first meeting, they quote unquote lost the sale. They right? lost the sale. They lost. They lost the sale because because they, they were not giving us what we wanted. There was another reason, and that is that there is a law about the length of the cord on a roller blind. Because children in the past got strangled by the cords on roller blinds, yes. so even though it may have been feasible, um, technically it's not legal to do it. 
So they couldn't actually manufacture the blind with that length of cord on it because they they would be breaking the law. So, uh, and they were helpful in explaining all that to us. Mm. It's interesting. I, um, I do some work with a, with a company in the within the pharmaceutical industry, and uh, because of what they do for their clients, customers sometimes ask, "Oh, can we do this?" And the answer sometimes is no, because that's not legal or safe. And it's quite it's quite subtle. You know, the people are asking some stupid question; they just don't know. And obviously, they say we have to protect our clients by saying, "No, you can't. You're not allowed to do that, or that's not appropriate, or that's not that's not the best way." Or and and it, you know, the conversations I've had with them is they have to gently let the customer <laughs> realize yeah. that that it's just not a great idea. It's just not the or you're not allowed to do it for very good. Not always legal, sometimes procedural. There are very good reasons in pharmaceutical in the pharmaceutical industry for certain things being done certain ways because of patient safety, for example, and efficacy and those sort of things. So, you know, it is it is is that approach, and it's very interesting. You've gone back to the <clears throat> to the people who said no the first time, you know. So we, you know, hopefully you have a, some sort of workaround solution that'll that'll satisfy you as a as a customer. Yeah, but they they were not able to sell us what we wanted. Yeah. And in fact, that's the problem. Nobody could sell us what we wanted. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so what's the moral of these stories then, as far as our lovely listeners are concerned? What what well, is the I think it is, advice we are offering? It's, I, I mean, years ago, you know, when I wrote my first book, I talk about wants, needs, wants. Right? You've got to find out what the customer wants actually find out what will truly need the, the the benefit to them what will really give them the maximum benefit and get them to want that <laughs> so the wanted people buy what they want but it's got to be the right it's got to be the right thing and i think you have to have the courage to challenge appropriately if you have better knowledge better work you know you you know things the customer doesn't know educate your customer teach them something they don't know add some value to them in the sales process and my experience is they're far more likely to buy from you because they see you as a source of good advice and guidance and and you're not you're not afraid to do respectfully and politely to say i love the the phraseology or your landscape garner you know, i forget the exact phrase you use phil but you, he said he said you need to what you ought to consider you know, I know it's yeah. something else for you to consider or, you know, I think we ought to be careful here or consider or another way of looking at this might be to do that and go for those possibilities, as you said, Phil, yeah. I think is, is just opening that up mm. because if we get this right, we will be delivering product services, et cetera, to the customer that will be genuinely beneficial to them, which means they're more likely to come back for more. Yeah. Or if if it's a once only situation, they are your best source of referrals. Happy customers will be a great source of referrals. And I think another thing about this is that if if we have actually discussed possibilities and the customer still decides to go ahead with their wants, at least we've aired our concerns. So if there is an issue further down the line, uh, then we could hardly be held uh, responsible in any way, shape or form because we express those concerns at the time and the customer decided to ignore them and go ahead with the want so i think it's you know do we do we go with the temptation of saying the customer says this is the solution i want we provide it if the customer's wrong 
we will then be at fault or we sometimes which we talked about in other episodes you push your own solution onto the customer or do you just take that little bit of extra time to find out what will be the optimal solution product or service for the customer and then you are genuinely bringing the best value to them you're more likely to win the business you're also more likely to have that longer term relationship what's the lifetime value of the customer if you do a good job now, you could take a lot of revenue out of them over 10 to 15 years, and they will also be a great source of other business because customers know people who are in similar industries to them, right? Yeah. Or your key stakeholder, I do a great job looking after Phil Jessen, and Phil Jessen leaves Big Pharma Company 1. Where's Phil normally go in his career? Big Pharma Company number 2. And then I've got a warm lead and a warm contact, haven't I, right inside a new potential customer. So when people change jobs... They yeah. often take they often take trusted suppliers with them, and then you really, you really start to see the pipeline starting mm. of opportunities and, and prospects to build up that way. You mm. know, so leave a trail of happy customers in your wake, and then you know you're in a you're in a better situation. Yeah. Any uh, closing comments, gentlemen? Any thoughts? I do. Graham's roller blind. Your landscape gardener. <laughs> well, right? I've, I've just. Got... Any other local tradesmen you want to recommend on the on the sales? <laughs> yeah. We've got a joiner. Uh, Exactly. We, we can do all of that. No, I, I think one uh, type of um, professional that uh, many of our listeners would have experienced, hopefully, uh, is a half decent financial advisor. And I yeah. think uh, the uh, uh, that's Don't you only want a half decent one. Yeah, only a half decent one. Um, I, th- I think that's an industry that, uh, it, again, is split straight down the middle, to be honest. There are financial advisors that are very, very happy. Uh, to listen to somebody talking about how much they can afford to save on a very, on, a, on a, a pension plan or whatever, uh, and then there are other financial advisors, uh, financial advisors rather like mine, who twenty years ago said to me, "Well, let, let's not talk about how much you can afford to spend on saving. Let, let's talk about the outcomes that you want when you get to your retirement years." Uh, And by focusing on those outcomes that I wanted, particularly from age 60 to 75, you might say, uh, it was fairly obvious to me that I was going to have to increase the amount of money that I was planning to save. It would just not deliver those outcomes. So he didn't actually tell me that. Uh, He got me to realise that by changing the agenda and moving me away from my wants, i.e. how much I could afford to spend and look at my needs brackets in 15 to 20 years time. Yeah, and I think the other, and I've used this before on the sales chat show and no doubt I'll use this example again. Another profession is a medical doctor who would never, they're never going to recommend a course of treatment or some drugs or whatever they're going to do until they have diagnosed what the situation is, what, and, and then they can diagnose. And that's, that's really, I think, in essence, what we're kind of talking about is, you know, the pa- patients don't, don't get to walk into the doctors and go, I need that. Right. They might, because they've, they've been on Google. Into <laughs> but, Dr. Google. Yeah. Dr. Google. And they, they know exactly. It's always right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the reality of being a doctor. I think if there's like, Oh, by the way, doctor, I've got, you know, yellow fever and I need, and I need this. And you go, well, well, actually, Mr. Jesson, um, I think you've got a bit of a cold. <laughs> so I suggest you go home and, uh, and take some vitamin C or something, but you know, you, that, that doctor's 
do the diagnosis before they prescribe. And I think that's that's what we're recommending here. You don't necessarily give the, the patient what they want. You give the patient what they need to make a full recovery. Or I think you'll find that sometimes doctors do give patients what they want because it gets them out of surgery. Um, yeah, in five, in five minutes. Because there's minutes, nothing actually yeah. wrong with them. Yeah, yeah so. uh, good old, uh, take, take, take these, uh, what's in them? Oh, all sorts of great stuff. Yeah, Quick great placebo, stuff, yeah. a nice, nice placebo, and I'm sure they'll yeah. be. <laughs> but, the, but with, you know, the, the title of this program is, you, you know, if you're selling what they want, is that the worst thing to do? Um, actually, sometimes it's not the worst thing to do. You know, if, if I need to write something down and I've got it in my head and I just rush into WH Smith to buy a pen because I haven't got one they don't need to diagnose the situation they can give me a pen or sell me a pen they won't give me one uh, sell me a pen uh, and I can write down what I need to write down and then, then if the pen doesn't work after that it doesn't matter because it's solved the immediate problem so sometimes the uh, what we want is what you should sell to us because the situation but that requires us to understand what situation the customer is in because sometimes what they want is fine to sell most of the time it isn't because we need to work out what they need or why they're asking for what they want but a lot of the time the their immediate need can be satisfied and they can feel that good customer satisfaction and that love for the company because it's solved an immediate problem. Sometimes it's an immediate problem that needs solving. So sell them what they want is all you need to do. Yeah, I mean, well-informed customer who's got some experience and great, fantastic. You you have a have a quick check and they're happy and just sell it to them. No problem yeah. at all. It depends how simple and or complex we're, we're talking, doesn't it? In the, in yeah, the if process. it's a complicated thing, they probably don't understand. Yeah, a little, little bit more, little bit more time, but uh, yeah, definitely, you know, never, never, never tire of educating your customers, you know, and helping them to make really great decisions because it'll benefit you certainly in the medium to longer term, and also probably in the short term as well. You might, they might like with Graham's experience, they might. <clears throat> You know, you might walk away for a while and then they say, oh, could you come back? Because we really like the way you uh, you went through that process with us. And we think you're the people we can really trust. So uh, we'd, we'd like to talk about how we can do business together. So, it's, you know, short term and long term time horizons, I think, is is also important. So, folks, thank you for listening into this episode. 200 plus episodes from the saleschatshow.com uh, from our website or from wherever you prefer to get your uh, podcast from you find us on all the major podcast platforms and by the time uh, you listen into the next episode graham will probably have also bought a 27 meter ladder to enable him to get up to his <clears throat> roller blind uh, his uh... i'm i'm quite experienced in abseiling in case graham needs that <laughs> yeah we do need it Get to the window. Abseil, uh, a little bit of special forces esque abseiling. Yeah, down. I, have, I have my own grappling irons and ropes. Down to the side of Jones Towers is by the sounds of things. I've never been yeah. to Graham's house, but I am imagining it's got a very, very tall ceiling for yeah, some yeah. reason. So, it's, a, it's, it, a conver- it's a converted church, I told you. No, it's, oh. it's, I'm afraid it's not. It's a new house, newish, 25 but, years old, yeah. But with a with a, an accountant who clearly did the plans after one too many small 
beers at lunchtime. Yep. <laughs> I know. Let's put a let's put a, a window right high up, right high up here. That'll be fun. And uh, you know, tracking down Graham, tracking down, naming and naming and shame that account yep. that uh, architect. We we demand to know the name of the architects on the next episode. So, folks, enough of Mr. Jones's sky high windows. We look forward to welcoming you back to another episode of the Sales Chat Show very soon. Good luck and good selling, folks. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. Thank you.